0: Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at RiverValleyRanch.com. Enjoy. What's up, everybody? Hey, uh, welcome tonight. Welcome to the week. This is the last week of the summer, so you picked a great week. Has anybody already been here this, this summer for another week? So, for, for real, your fourth week? Man, who said their seventh week? Are you telling the truth? Your seventh week? You need to... You need to get a life somewhere else out of here, man. No, I'm just playing, man. I'm just playing. This is a great place to spend your summer. If, if I could spend seven weeks here, I would. I love this place. It's been a couple years since I've been able to hang out here, but uh, I'm really thankful to be back this week. So the name of my church, to help Aaron out, the name of my church is called Lakewood, just like this one, Lakewood Ranch, right? So I have worked at a ranch down in uh, Florida. It's not really a ranch. It's the name of, the, it's the name of our town called Lakewood Ranch, um, and I've uh, been there my, with my wife and my three kids for just a year, but I have served in ministry with students for over 20 years and so this feels very very much like home. Uh, it was nice to see you guys up here hanging out, worshiping God. I love to see your proximity to what's going on. I love to see that you're close, many of you. And you know what? I also love the fact that if you just didn't feel like that tonight, that you were honest with yourself, honest with God, and you just kind of took it a chill. So that's not so bad either. I sat back in that chair, but I'll tell you what, this band, what's the name of the what's the name of our group? Man, they got me up going. Like when when they were when they were leading us to worship, I couldn't help but just lift my heart my song and my voice and my hands at times to God in praise because he's worthy of that. I just want you to know this this week, okay? You will hear a consistent theme from me this week in the very short amount of time each night that we'll get to speak to you. And that theme is this, I love the God of this book. I love him and I'm confident with all my heart that he loves me back. And I believe that you deserve to know that. The reason I flew up here from Florida today, the reason I would take an opportunity to spend in front of you, we don't know each other. I hope we get to know each other this week. In fact, I'll give you a little challenge, okay? Sometime this week when, when we get a chance to meet, say tell me your name and help me give me something that I won't soon forget about you so that I can remember you, okay? So like, for instance, my friend Nina, I met Nina tonight just walking in and just kind of happened this way, and she told me that she's a speed skater. She has been to the ranch uh, River Valley Ranch 12 years give it up for Nina even though you probably haven't met her yet maybe some of you have but incredible thing so I met a new friend tonight and I'm hoping to meet some more throughout the course of this week I'll be hanging around with some of you and so tell me some things about you that you will I will not soon forget I'll tell you something about me okay um I can swallow my tongue there you go (laughs) I'll show you if we get a chance to talk, okay? Uh, let me introduce you to the, the four most important people in my life, though. I think we got a picture of here. Yeah, look at these beautiful people right here. So um, that's me in the pink shirt. Don't judge. Don't judge. Right? That's a good color, right? Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so that's me right there. This is my family. So straight in front of me is not just... The most beautiful on the outside person you will ever meet, but the most beautiful on the outside and inside person you will ever meet. That is my wife. Her name is Summer, and she is just my greatest joy. I've been married to her for over 22 years. And listen, young men, this is possible. I love her more now Then I loved her when I met her and when we got married. She is an incredible person. She is my closest friend, and I'll I'll probably tell you a little bit more about her over the course of this week. But let me see. To my left and your right on the picture, that is my one and only son. His name is Noah. He's a cool kid. He's wearing the hat of the high school baseball team that he pitches for and plays for. He plays for Lakewood Ranch High School and uh, loves to play drums. He plays drums in our worship band back at our church at home. And uh, loves to serve Jesus in a lot of different ways. To my right and your left, on, on me in the picture. So, right there is my youngest. So, Noah's 16. My youngest daughter, her name is uh, Peyton. She is 13 years old. She is a, a cool cat. She is a little singer songwriter. Like, she sits in her bedroom for at least an hour a day, throwing down with the guitar, and she's writing music. And uh, two weeks ago, we actually took our students to a camp. 22 different acts joined this uh, talent contest. And she, yes. She won it with her singer-songwriter. So I got a little video. If you want to and you want to take a minute sometime this week, I'll show you about 30 seconds of that as long as it doesn't bore you. But it's her own song, and it's pretty good stuff. Um, She's 13. My oldest daughter. uh, Let me see. Who did I meet that I said that you just – was it Alicia? Where's Alicia right here? Alicia, are you in here? Uh, That I met you. Who? Oh, hi, Alicia. I did not meet you. No. I met another young lady. She had glasses on, and when we were walking in, I said, you reminded me of Peyton. Who is that? You reminded me of my youngest daughter. Oh, yeah, behind the... What is your... Oh, she, did, she didn't want to raise it up. because she... Didn't Are you Alicia too? Okay, good. I was right. But that's Alicia back there. She kind of reminded me of my daughter Peyton. So, hey, Alicia, that's Alicia. Alicia, that's Alicia. Y'all should get to know each other. Okay. Okay, great. Same cabin? That's great. Okay, good. When people call your name, then you could both answer. That'll be great. All right. So, all the way down at the end is my oldest daughter. She looks just like her mother, and she's almost as beautiful as her mom, but she's not quite there. Her name is Autumn... Her name is Autumn. I'm just, I'm just saying. Her name is Autumn. She's 18. She just graduated. And um, she is in the middle of finishing up her associate's degree, which means in another year she'll be, like, finished with her sophomore year of college and then head on to a four-year degree. That's a little bit my family. And uh, that will uh, that'll, that'll suffice for tonight, but we need to dig in for a few minutes because I want to share with you some, some great things, just a couple of great truths about God's Word. So we are going to use a passage of Scripture from the Old Testament. It is in the book of Isaiah. And it's actually, uh, it it may be up here in just a moment. It's Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 4. And it shows this beautiful little text of scripture about um, a prophecy, a promise really, an anticipated reality that God said he would do. Later on this week, we're going to show how he brought that to fruition. But each night, we're just going to track one little phrase of this, uh, of this beautiful text, Isaiah chapter 61. So here's the, here's the phrase tonight from, from the very first line, Isaiah 61, verse 1, it says this, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news To the poor. That's all the further we'll go tonight. And specifically, you can see that, what is kind of highlighted and underlined right there, sovereign God. This is what we're gonna start with tonight, okay? So if I do my job, each one of us will walk out of here with maybe just a little bit, maybe a lot, but maybe just a little bit greater and higher view of who the God of the Bible is, okay? So in fact, if we talk tonight for a few minutes and there's some things that I say and then you're just like, I don't even know if I get all that. I don't think I can wrap my mind around that. Okay, what you just said about God, then I think I did my job. Now, I'm not trying to confuse you tonight. I think what we say in general and as a whole is going to make a lot of sense. And it's very simple and very clear. But my goal, in part, is to elevate our view of who God is. Because I think, I believe this, that in the world we live in, God is brought down into a to a to an area where he almost looks and sounds and feels and thinks as if he were one of us just like us human beings and he is not he is greater than we are he deserves greater glory and praise and worship like you gave him tonight he deserves our love and our affection he deserves our following he deserves our lives he is a great great god and I think that um, he has been de- devalued and made look little and small in many people's eyes. And we're going to show a consequence of that tonight. But tonight, um, <clears throat> I just want to track this idea of God being a big, sovereign God. Raise your hand. You don't have to answer this, but raise your hand if you know what the word, if you think you know what the word sovereign means or you have an idea. I'm not going to call on you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm just curious. Okay, a couple of us do. A few, few out there. That's good. Well, maybe we'll, we'll track this around. Every night I'll have a, a big idea for you, okay? Meaning, if you could summarize everything I wanna say in just a statement, this would be that statement, okay? So here's the big idea for you tonight for our few minutes together. It is this. <clears throat> the great God of all creation has decided to reveal himself to us. The great God of all creation has decided to reveal himself to us. That's the big idea where we're gonna track tonight. And we're going to use the springboard of Isaiah 61. But our our passage of scripture that I want to walk through is from Psalm chapter 8. So I'll be reading a few verses from Psalm chapter 8. Raise your hand if you were born after January 9th, 2007. January 9th, 2007. If you were born after that date, raise your hand. All right, raise it up high because I need to know. Okay. Uh, Raise your hand. Okay, that's good. That's good. So just a handful of you in here tonight. That means you are younger than... Like you're younger than 13 years old, right? You're 12? Is that right, those of you who just raise your hand? If you were born after January 9th, 2007, that means something about you. You have only ever existed in a world where smartphones exist. Okay? Now, raise your hand if you, uh, if you own a smartphone. Raise your hand. That's just about every hand in here, okay? Did you know that on January 9th, 2007, A man named Steve Jobs, raise your hand if you know who Steve Jobs is. Yes, of course you do, even though he's not alive anymore. He is the founder and innovator of the company called uh, Apple, right? Has all kinds of amazing branches to it, one of which was introduced for the first time in history and to the world on January 9th, 2007. And he called it, you ready for this? Drum roll, please. He called it the iPhone, not the iPhone, the, the iPhone, Okay, how many of y'all own an iPhone? Raise your hand. Oh, that's a lot of people in this room, more than half. Okay, he called it the iPhone. He said the iPhone, he said the iPhone is something that's gonna be used, he thought, he believed, for the rest of history. And he said it's different than anything else that the world has ever seen, okay? He said it's a huge three and a half inch screen. That's what he said, three and a half. is like a little bit bigger than a credit card, okay? So it wasn't big. Now it's getting a little bit bigger. Does anybody have a 10 in the room? Okay, hold up a 10 real quick for me if you got it. Oh, you're not allowed to hold them right now? Okay, so you got it. Oh, there you go. There's a 10 in the back of the room. You see that thing? that thing? That thing's like a, what is that? That's like a tennis racket back there you're beating around, right? Yeah. It used to be the very first iPhone, three and a half inches tiny. It was this tiny little thing. But here's what he said. Now, now I want you to put yourself in this moment, okay? In 2007, nobody would ever in the world, there'd never been a smartphone, okay? Nobody owned that. Everybody owned those little flip ones, All right, I know, like your grandma has. Any of y'all grandmas have a flip phone? Yes, only, I know, only people had a flip phone. No phones were smart, which means no phones at the time were connected to the internet and had capacity to do things like this. And so this is what Steve Jobs said. He said, your phone is going to be able to be used as a GPS. And you're like, yeah, so what? That's everybody's phone. Not in 2007 it wasn't, it didn't exist. He said, your phone can be used as a GPS um, you can look up things on the internet. He said, he said this, you will be able to touch your music, right? <laughs> now, nowadays we're like, huh, no, I know, I know how to, yeah, I just, I just touch my phone and pull up my music and play whatever I want. But the concept, listen, the concept didn't exist 12 years ago. Now, I know that most of you are only old enough to where you really only ever remember the world having, having smartphones, but it didn't exist 12 years ago. In 2017, In 2017, Apple celebrated their one billionth sale of an iPhone. In 2019, it is predicted that this year, actually during the summer of this year, uh, in 2019, it is predicted that two and a half billion people on the planet will be using a smartphone. That means a little more than one out of every three humans on the planet will have a smartphone. Okay, now you might actually think that number's low, but you got babies, you got little children, you got people in in developing countries that don't have opportunity or access to something like that. Smartphones are like, that's life now. But just a dozen years ago, that blew people's mind. A concept like that to where you could do all this stuff on a device that you would stick in your pocket blew people's mind. Now listen, I know that I have a tall task when I say that I want to do this. I want to, in just maybe a little tiny way, I want to blow your mind about who God is. Tonight and this week, because I think some of you might have an idea or a perception about who God is, and I think that you don't quite maybe really know. I don't think I know, have grasped to myself who God is. But will you give it an opportunity in just a few minutes that each night that I'll speak to you, Will you give an opportunity, and, and your counselors will talk to you more about this, the leaders in your groups will talk to you more about this over the course of the week. Will you give an opportunity to say, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open my ears. I'm going to open my mind. I'm going to open maybe even my heart. Like I'll draw just a, an imaginary circle around me and say, okay, this, this, little, this person in this little circle right here needs some things. I need some things in my life, and I don't know how to get them. And I've searched a lot of different places to get them. I've searched in friendships. I've searched in relationships. I've searched uh, in money. I've searched in whatever you've searched in. I've searched in substances. I've searched in my parents. I've searched in uh, whatever you have found. And And maybe you might say, as much as I've searched, I've had some fun. I've had some pleasure and I've had some enjoyment in it, but for whatever reason, it just keeps going away the next day or the day after that. It just dissolves and does not fulfill and satisfy all of my heart like I want it to. If that's you, if that's you, maybe God will come down just like the iPhone did 12 years ago, just like a smartphone did 12 years ago, and bring a whole new category of experience to your life that you could take with you for the rest of your life. So you came for zip lines, you came for horseback riding, you came for adventures, you came for sleeping on hammocks outside, but what you leave with is so much more valuable than those things, though they're, they're special. The friendships you'll make, the experiences you'll have here will probably be like none other that you've experienced this year. This is an amazing place. But perhaps you can leave with the commodity of a newfound idea of the greatness of who God is. Let me just throw out a couple ideas to you uh, for the remainder of our time. And here's the first one, okay? Very, very simple. God is not like us. God is not like us. Here's what Psalm chapter 8, verse 1 says. It says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. The word majestic is not a, a word used very often especially in our vocabulary, but probably you've heard of it. It basically means this, greater, beyond, outside of the ordinary, meaning extraordinary. Above and beyond all the others. In value and in worth, you surpass. So when the psalmist says, oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name? He's saying, you are surpassing and greater than anything else I can think of, than anything else I've ever heard of, than anything else I have ever experienced. And here's the thing God is not like us. If God did not want us to know Him, we wouldn't know Him. If God had decided that He had no interest in introducing Himself to you and to me, we would not know Him. Listen to what the Bible says about God. This is Job chapter 9, verses 10 and 11. By the way, Job, if you're a Bible student, you like this kind of thing. Job, Genesis is the first book that's in the order of your Bible. If you go home and or look at, open your Bible, the very first book in there is Genesis. But the oldest book written, meaning the one that was first ever written down, was probably the book of Job. And Job, here's what he said about his creator, his God. He said this He said, God who does things beyond searching out, meaning I can't even, I can't even understand this stuff. I can't Google it. I can't ask my friends. I can't figure out all that God can do is what he's saying. Marvelous things beyond number. Behold, this is how great God is. He does things that I can't even comprehend, but then he says this. If God were to pass by me, I wouldn't even see him. Like, how would I know? He's invisible. He's not physical. I can't touch him. I can't reach out and grab God. If he walked right by me, I'd have no idea. He said this. If he moves on, but I don't perceive him or understand him, Behold, he snatches away. Who can turn him back? If God wants to leave, what am I going to say to him? How am I going to stop him? Who will say to him, what are you doing? This is just a little taste of what Job said about God. You're doing stuff that I can't even imagine, God. But if you walked right by me, I wouldn't even know it. And if you wanted to leave, I couldn't stop you. Because you're different outside of all the rest of creation. God is not like us. And here's one of the things that this passage in Isaiah 61 starts with tonight. It says the spirit of the sovereign Lord. So some of you raised your hand and you said, I think I know what sovereign means. Here's a little, here's a little snapshot of what it means to be sovereign, okay? God is sovereign. That means God can do all he pleases, all right? You and I, we are not sovereign, you might like to think you're sovereign. You might like to go home next week and say, hey, Mom, hey, Dad, hey, whoever's at home, hey, I, I want to do whatever I want whenever I want to do it. And they'd be like, Pfft, right? That's probably the answer you'd get or something similar to that. We don't get to do whatever we want whenever we want to do it. But God, anything God wants to do, he can do. He is not restrained by anything In the universe, there is no power, there is no authority, there's no army, there's no king, there's no president, there's no country, there's no world that can gather its power and say to God, you can or cannot do something, and it would change God in even the slightest way. God can do all of his holy will. He does whatever he pleases. This is what Psalm 103.3 says. It says that God is in the heavens, and he does whatever he wants to do. That's what it means to be sovereign. Sovereign. If you're a Bible student, here's a little little side tip for you, okay? The only restraint on God, meaning the only one that stops God from doing certain things, is God. The only one that stops God from doing certain things is God himself. I'll give you an example. God is true to his own character, whatever promises he makes, he will fulfill. So if God says he's going to do something, you can bank on it. It will be done. He will not go back on his promises. He will not change. God said worship and serve only one God, which is him. And so God will never create another God that is equal and the same as him because there's only one God. Those are restraints that are upon God that God puts upon himself. But only God is sovereign above all things And here's the thing, if God didn't want us to know him, we wouldn't know him. We would have no way to do it. But God has been kind and shown us himself. And we don't really have a category for who God is because just like the smartphone, just like the uh, the the iPhone that came out in 2007, nobody had ever had the concept of this much information and this much capacity stuck in their pocket. Nobody had anything like that. So when he introduced, when Steve Jobs introduced this concept, it blew people's minds. We don't have a category for what God is like. So unless he describes himself or explains himself, we're lost. It's like, i you got me, God, I got no idea. So God helps us out. He, he uses what's called... It's a big word, but it's a simple idea. Anthropomorphisms. (laughs) Anthropomorphisms. All that means is is that God uses human imagery to explain his deity, his godness. He uses ways that are like humans to explain who he is as God. That's an anthropomorphism. Here's an example. The Bible says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on evil and good. That's Proverbs 15. God doesn't have eyes. He does not have eyeballs. He's not physical. But he uses illustrations like that to help us understand and see and comprehend who he is. God is not like us. But here's the second thought, and this is the really, really good news. God intends for us to know him. It is God's purpose, design, and plan that you would and I would know him. Here's what it says in Psalm 8, verses 3 and 4. It says, when I look up at your heavens... The moon and stars which you have set in place. What is man that you would be mindful of him or the son of man that you would pay any attention to him? The psalmist basically says, God, I can't believe that you're interested in me. Like you are the great, sovereign, all-powerful God of the universe. Nobody tells you what to do. You do all that you please and nothing can stop you. You're not like us. But still, the psalmist says, but still, he's interested in you. Are you ready for this? Okay? Because I don't know you, and you don't know me yet. I've just met a couple of you, and it's been nice to meet you, and hopefully we'll meet some more this week. But I don't have any idea how many people show specific interest in your life. And I mean mean for your good. Like, I know there's uh, there's plenty of people out there that would love to take something from you. There's plenty of people out there that would love to, um, to be unkind or cruel in some fashion to you that would ha- like to have an advantage by your, um, b- by your loss. I know there's plenty of those people. But What I'm wondering is how many people in your life, how many people in your life are people who are genuinely interested in your good? Like they want something good to happen to you. And not just that they want that for you, but they have the power and ability to bring it to pass. This is what I'm saying, what the psalmist said about God in Psalm chapter 8, verses 3 and 4. He said this, I can't believe that you're even paying attention to me. With as great and majestic and beyond searching out that you are God, it is incredible to me that you're paying attention to my life. So here's a promise from God's word, and I'm speaking it to you, friend. God intends to know you. All the stuff going on in your life, all the hurts going on in your life, maybe all the isolation, alienation, loneliness that you feel or hurt that you feel or whatever it is that your life has experienced, God knows it and he wants to know you more. He intends to know you. God revealed himself. The way he, he showed that he wants to know us is he showed himself off. The reason that the universe that we live in exists is because God intended to create a stage, if you will, a platform to demonstrate who he was and to relate to people like you and me. God intends to know us. So one of the ways that he showed himself or demonstrated himself is through creation the things that he gave us around us, all of these things that we see. And by the way, the ranch is one of the most beautiful places ever to really just take a step back and enjoy what God has made. All the things around us, they are on purpose and specifically so that you and I could know and understand who God is. Here's a second way that God revealed himself. God revealed himself through his beautiful and excellent and holy and praiseworthy son, Jesus Christ. In the book of John, chapter 1, it says, nobody with their eyes have ever seen God. But the Son, who has been sitting at the side of the Father, at, at the right hand of the Father in heaven, he came down onto earth and made God known. So God knew that he doesn't have a body like us. He is sovereign and powerful and outside of creation, beyond it. But he wanted us to know him, so he sent The perfect example of himself and all that he is in his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus is for you and I so that we can know God. Here's what else he did. He gave us this book right here. He gave us the word of God. This is just a copy of it. This is not an original, but this is a faithful, confident copy. I know that what is in this message is what God gave mankind so they could know him. He gave us creation. He gave us his son. He gave us his word. And lastly... If you're a believer, you know what this one's like. He gave us his Holy Spirit to live inside of us. He gave us his Holy Spirit to help us along, to comfort us, to encourage us, to convict us when we start to go down the wrong way, to bring us back, to remind us of what's true and helpful, to show us what we need and to lead us in the right way. God is not like us, but he intends to know us. And here's a third thought. If I haven't already gotten to this one, perhaps we're starting to connect the dots here. The third thought is this. God's big. God is big. Here's what the psalmist said in Psalm 8. He said, when I look up into your heavens, the moon and the stars which you created, what is man that you would even pay any attention to him, is what he said. Do you know what the universe is partly designed to do? If you would gaze up into the stars, or if you would um, use the Hubble telescope to see the furthest distances from Earth that humans have ever been able to grasp, or if you would take a, a, a spaceship and you would fly it to Mars, and then from Mars you would take a telescope and try to paint pictures of way deep into the um, deep, dark places of space that human beings have rarely, if ever, seen. Do you know what that's all for in part? It is in part to show you that God is big and grand because that space that we can't even figure out a way to get to but even barely see it with our eyes, that space is God's playground. That space is what Psalm 8 verse 3 says God made with his fingertips. And in fact, Genesis says it this way. He made it just by speaking it into existence. He's grand and great and big. This is what um, Psalm 90 says. God, you have been our dwelling place for all generations. Before mountains were brought forth, before anything ever, ever existed, you were God from everlasting to everlasting. Does anybody know what the word eternal means. What, what kind of definition would you put on the word eternal? Can I, would somebody be willing to throw up their hand and, and give us an idea of that? What is your name? Are you Wyatt? Oh, I met you earlier, Wyatt. What's your, um, what do you got? What does it mean to be, for, what does the word eternal mean? Forever. That's exactly right. Psalm 90 verses 1 and 2 that I just read says this, from everlasting to everlasting, God is God. Meaning he existed all the way in eternity past and will exist all the way in eternity present. Now, I know school hasn't started. I'm sorry I said the S word. I'm sorry. I shouldn't talk like that. Okay, I know the S word hasn't started yet, okay? The place where you get academic information. I know it hasn't started yet, but when you go to math class, they teach you stuff like this, right? Two dots with a line in the middle in math is called a? Line. Segment, segment, right. Two dots, a dot at one end. Line in the middle to the other dot, and then an arrow going that way. What's ray. that called? A ray. Right, right, right. Okay. Two dots with a line in the middle with arrows going both ways. That's a what? Line. That's a line. That's a line. Where does a line end? Never. Okay. See, you guys are killing it. Man, the, 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 the scholastic environment in the state of Maryland must be really high. Great job. Man, they're teaching you guys good. You guys good. So... <clears throat> You and I are a segment, we got a starting point, we got an ending point, and it's the same for every human being in history. God, on the other hand, is a line. There is no no beginning to him, there is no ending to him. He is eternal. God is not contained inside of creation. So like, how many of y'all, just go ahead and say, you can be honest, how many of y'all like Legos? Legos? Okay, good, good, me too. I like Legos. I, I like to put the Legos together with my daughter, okay? With Legos, when I make a little Lego town and I put all the people up there and, I, and you play with them. When I was a little kid, I used to play like with the little castle Legos. With Legos, you can do whatever you want with them, but you're, the rules don't apply to you, right? Because they live in that little Lego world. I don't live in that little Lego world because it's my world. Because I get to tell the Legos what to do, right? That's what God is like. God does not exist and play by the rules of creation. He is outside of creation. He is bigger and grander and greater than them. God doesn't have the physical rules of creation. Here's a couple examples. He doesn't age. He doesn't have a physical body like you and me. He doesn't change. Gravity has no effect on God. God never waits for anything. And here's, here's one that might blow your mind, and, and, and it blows my mind a little bit. I have a hard time wrapping my mind around this. There is no past or present or future to God. Like, God is not waiting for next Tuesday. Because he is an eternal being. He is already there. And God doesn't remember 200 years ago. Because he is an eternal, all-present being. He is there. You and I, we are finite, and so we exist in time. A clock rules everything that we do, but not God. He is everywhere, present, at all times and in all places. God being all present doesn't just mean he's everywhere right right now. It means he's everywhere. In time and in space, God is greater than all those things. God is big. And here's another thought that just comes right behind it is this. I'm small. We are We are small. Um, I, I went on a missions trip to Honduras a couple years ago, and I, uh, uh, you've you been there? It's from Honduras? Loved the country. Man, I loved my experience there. And they took us on one day to this waterfall. Uh, it was a huge waterfall. I mean, it was breathtaking. And we were able to, like, go down and walk alongside of the waterfall, and we could get close enough up to it to where we were just a couple feet away. And what is your name right here? Caden? Caleb, so if I was this close to Caleb and we were screaming at each other next to that waterfall, we would not hear each other because it was just, it was an immense sound, like it was just overwhelming us. And then what they allowed us to do, we had to hold hands to do it because we needed the support of one another. They allowed us to like get up underneath this waterfall and it just poured and rushed over us. It was the most powerful experience of pressure that I've ever been in without actually getting hurt by it. I mean, it was incredible. It just, it just, I felt like it was going to crush me, the weight of this water. And when I, when I came out, out from underneath the waterfall, something dawned on me. That's like a little drinking fountain to God. Like, here I am, I get up underneath this waterfall that he created, which is one of many waterfalls that he created just on the planet Earth, which is one of many, um, planets that God created just in our solar system let alone the universes beyond that that we can't even explore with our eyes and I'm just about to be crushed by the immensity and weight of this waterfall and I'm thinking to myself God is the creator of this waterfall and all of a sudden like the scale in my mind between the smallness of me and the greatness of God came into like laser focus this is a major problem with our hearts when we don't take time to consider and, and respect and be aware of the greatness of God, you know what happens? We start to think that we're like Him. We start to think that we start to think that we are Him. Now, none of you are going—maybe not too many of you are going to say, "Oh, I'm God." But in our minds, we diminish, we minimize, we make God little, and we make ourselves great. But the word of God helps us to see the grandness and greatness of God. Here's the last thought for tonight, okay, and then we're finished. God is big and I am small, but big God still cares for little me. Okay, that's the news that I love to hear and I believe with all my heart. The psalmist said it this way in Psalm 8. He said, you've given me dominion over the works of your hands. You've made me a little lower than Angels, you've crowned me with glory and honor. It's incredible, God, how you would treat me. God is not like us, but he does intend for us to know him. And he is big, and when I see the bigness of God, I feel small. But here's the great news, that the big God of creation wants to know little me. Will you, will you give him an opportunity to know you this week? I hope that we can take some more time throughout the course of this week and uh, just explore the greatness of God, and each night we'll do that. Let's bow and pray, okay? Hey, before we do that, let me say something. Thank you for for the respect and attention you gave me. You don't know me, I'm up here talking to you like this, and that's not an easy thing, so I I, I wanna thank you very much for for just giving me a few minutes to share with you. Let's bow and, and thank God, okay? God, you are as great as I could possibly describe you to be, and even greater, but we want to grasp who you are and the fact that you still want to know us you, big God, still care for little me. Praise you for that. Help us to realize that and to, just with our minds and with our hearts, to take hold of that just a little bit this week. For your glory and for our good, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, God bless, guys. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Live After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.